When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to episode 26 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here with Adam Kersenblatt, and this week on the pod, we are very pleased to be joined by Olin Zellweger of the Kamloops Blazer, who's it, Blazers, who is currently gearing up for the Memorial Cup. A little later in the podcast, we'll update you on the WHL final between Seattle and Winnipeg. We'll review the highlights of last week's WHL prospects draft and check in on our NHL team of the week, which is the New Jersey Devils. Uh, so now let's get started with Olin, who was recently named the WHL's Defenseman of the Year for the second straight season. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us after your practice today. Uh, what's been the focus for you and the Blazers right now as we're about 10 days out from the Memorial Cup. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, and thank you for uh, and congratulations on the award. Um, right now, we've been gearing up for the tournament. Obviously, uh, a little bit uh, disappointing for the group not to, uh, you know, make the finals. Obviously, I think that 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 was our end goal to, you know, compete for the championship in the WHL first. Um, but now we kind of, you know, turn our focus to. Uh, preparing for the Memorial Cup and, you know, with how short of an event it is, you know, anything can, anything can happen and we know we can, you know, compete and we know we can beat those teams, uh, you know, one or two times if we need to in that tournament. So, you know, we're really ramping up the intensity now and, um, uh, you know, the break period was good to really, uh, you know, dial in our, uh, physical, um, elements that might've been, uh, stressed during the playoffs so you know it's been good uh preparation so far now you've had a busy uh 12 months so two gold medals at the world juniors anaheim ducks <laughs> training camp and being part of one of the biggest trade line trade deadline deals in who history um while you said yeah you're a little bit disappointed that you couldn't beat seattle in the western conference final but is it nice to have a little downtime after all of what you've been through in the last 12 months and kind of rest up the body for the Memorial cup uh, championship. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you got it right there. It's disappointing for sure, but you gotta, you know, like the reality is we didn't, we, we didn't win. Now we got to change our focus and, you know, rest up, be ready for the tournament, be ready to practice hard and prepare. So it was obviously disappointing for me. I want to, I wanted to win the WHL championship and, to not do that is, uh, you know, it's tough, but um, now I got to change my focus. I can't be dwelling about the what we didn't do. We got another opportunity here that, you know, most teams, most players don't get a chance at. So it's going to be huge to, to be prepared and ready for the tournament. Um, it's really an, an understatement to say that you have fit in well with the Blazers since you uh, were acquired at the trade deadline with uh, 33 goals in 46 games so far in the regular season in the playoffs. Um, I imagine with all the pandemic travel issues over the last couple of years, you hadn't really had a chance to see Kamloops much in person on the ice. So what has it been like being part of this team? Have What's, what's surprised you about them? Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a great great few months here with the Blazers. Uh, I'm super thankful for the 
you know, opportunity to come play for this organization. It's uh, it's been great here so far. Um, you know, and about Kamloops, I, I didn't, I wasn't too familiar with the the team or the coaching staff. I, you know, I didn't play against them too often. I think it's four times a year um, when I was when when I was in the U.S. division. So, uh, yeah, it's been great here. You know, they work really hard. You know, it's super detailed. Um, Coaching staffs all very organized. Uh, schedules very very organized. So there's a lot of great things about the team, and um, I think it, it's a very good spot to you know come develop and um, to play in the Western Hockey League. Now speaking a little bit to the coaching staff, Sean Clouston and Don Hay, two of the most successful coaches in WHL history. So how have they helped you elevate your game since arriving in Kamloops? Yeah, I think it's been huge. Uh, obviously, I haven't uh, had too much experience with too many different coaches over uh, my career because um, uh, I was with uh, Dennis Williams for my whole tenure in Everett. So uh, coming here was a new experience for me, and uh, I was very happy with uh, uh, Sean uh, Clouston as the head coach. He's been uh, really good. You know, he's direct, uh, honest. Um, practices are really good, so that's always good. And um Don uh, works with the defenseman, so I, uh, you know, talk to him more often, and I work with him uh, more closely because um, he's always with the deep defenseman. So he's been great, uh, you know, with helping me. Uh, you know, put the ice time has been really good. He plays me in the right situation. So yeah, they're both very, very smart hockey people, and um, you know, I think it's pretty evident with the the amount of wins and their record in the Western Hockey League, and you know pro hockey that they've uh, been in. So it's been a, a great time here with them. Um, as you became just the sixth player to be named the WHL's Defenseman of the Year in back-to-back -back seasons, what does it mean to you when you think of the fact that you're now in a group with players like uh, Chris Russell and Dion Phaneuf and Glenn Wesley? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's just a huge honor to receive the those type of awards. Um, obviously, it's a huge credit to you know, everyone who, who helps me get to this point, right? Like teammates, coaches, um, uh, parents, billets, you know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that uh, deserve a lot of credit for helping me get to this point. Um, and obviously, I, I don't want to, you know, hang my hat on any of these awards. You know, I want to keep uh, developing and, um, you know, moving up and being a strong, good player in the next level. So that's that's my goal. That's my mindset. And uh, obviously the recognition uh, for, uh, you know, a season is, is pretty cool, pretty pretty neat. But, you know, it's a lot of credit to the people who helped me get here. Now, speaking of the award, uh, you also helped make history as the Anaheim Ducks were the first team to have Defenseman of the Year in the WHL, OHL, and the QMJHL. Is it exciting to know that you'll be coming up with players like Pavel uh, Michikov and uh, Tyson Hines, or does it just mean that you have a stiffer competition at the next level? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of both, right? You know, the good competition is, uh, is always good. You want to, you want to play against the best. You want to, you want to beat the best, obviously. And um, yeah, for, for practicing and coming up with those, uh, you know, those highly skilled players is pretty cool, you know, being in a team at Anaheim, I think, is, uh, you know, kind of, you know, growing as a younger team. And that's pretty that's pretty cool to see them, you know, um, kind of 
rebuilding and redeveloping uh, younger players. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to have those uh, other uh, two guys there um, win the OHL and the QMHL Defenseman of the Year. Uh, and uh, as you sort of look at the uh, at the NHL and some of your teammates that are preparing for the draft in Nashville in June, they'll get the the whole fanfare of the traditional NHL draft party. But uh, you were part of the the, the virtual draft or virtual draft group, sorry, in uh, in 2021. Uh, what was that? What was that experience like? Was it? Are, were there any sort of silver linings to maybe just being able to be home with your family and and kind of watch it all unfold? Yeah, for sure. I mean. I don't know what the the real draft is like, or well, <laughs> I mean, it it obviously would be pretty cool to to be at the arena or whatever and get picked, but at the same time, I think it'd maybe be more nerve wracking. You're kind of just sitting there in the building waiting for your name, but at home it was nice, you know, my family. I had family there, um, you know, brothers, grandparents. Uh, so that's really cool to have, and the support is uh, it's all right there. I don't know if everyone would have been able to make it right to the wherever it would have been the arena there. So yeah, it's a, it was a good experience, you know, um, it's pretty, uh, huge honor to be picked and yeah, I thought they did a great job on the virtual thing. It wasn't, it was, it was pretty, pretty well organized and all set up. So now in a couple weeks, uh, hockey fans from across North America will be heading up to Kamloops to watch the Memorial cup. As someone who has been uh, there for a few months now, what have been your uh, favorite things about living in Kamloops? Uh, yeah, well, well, the weather's been pretty nice recently here. I think it's 32 out today or something. But yeah, I just uh, I really like the kind of the cities. Like there's some mountains and hills around. Uh, it's pretty nice, uh, you know, view. Pretty nice atmosphere here. So. You know, I really like the. I really like living in Canada. The U.S. is a little bit different than uh, Kamloops, kind of. So it's been uh, pretty nice to to be back in Canada, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, great weather here, and uh, I think there's some nice golf courses and nice lakes around too. Uh, and with Kamloops touting itself as the uh, tournament capital of Canada, I know they get very excited when they get to host big events. And it uh, seems like the uh, enthusiasm for Memorial Cup has been building all year round. Is the vibe already kind of there in the city? Can you feel it sort of getting closer? And are people excited about uh, about the event coming to town uh, when you sort of go about your day-to-day -day, day -day -day life? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think the you know momentum's building up to it. Uh, I think we're still ten days away. I think um, so. You know, we're getting closer, and everyone's getting more excited, right? So I think once we reach uh, two or three days away, it's going to be pretty, you know, amped up, pretty excited. So the fans here are unbelievable. I mean, um, pretty much. I I don't remember too many empty rinks when I was playing. I mean, they're all pretty close to full since I've been here. Um, you know, and in playoffs we had the the whiteout, uh, which is pretty pretty awesome to to see, and everyone's you know, kind of buying into that and just supporting us is pretty awesome to feel. Uh, yeah, it's been fun to uh, to watch your series from afar and sort of see how this has all been uh, been unfolding and the big support that you got during the playoffs. So I'm sure the fans will be uh, ready to get behind you and give you that uh, that home ice advantage for sure. Uh, Adam and I will both be up for Memorial Cup, so uh, we're looking forward to uh, catching the tournament and uh, maybe getting a chance to say hello in person. So uh, we'll let you go for now. Thank you so much for doing this and uh, best of luck. 
Yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again to Olin for taking the time to join us this week. Uh, certainly obvious that uh, he's still smarting a little bit from losing that Western final to Seattle. And uh, I imagine the Blazers have a lot of revenge on their mind as we uh, as we roll into the Memorial Cup. Uh, we're still waiting to see which other team from the will be joining the Blazers um, as the Winnipeg Ice and Seattle Thunderbirds are now locked into their WHL final. As we record on Tuesday, the series is tied 1-1 and the scene is now shifting to Seattle for the next three games. Yeah, so we'll give a little bit of a breakdown here of the first two games, starting with uh, game one where Winnipeg squeaked out a 3-2 victory. Uh, the Ice led the game 3-0 after the second period thanks to goals from Connor McClellan, uh, Evan Friesen, and uh, Carson uh, Latimer. Uh, but then the Thunderbirds did make it close thanks to goals from Reed Schaefer and Kevin Korczynski, but they just couldn't find the equalizer. They were close, uh, but unfortunately just couldn't find that last goal. Um, as for the goaltending battle... In game one, Daniel Hauser, uh, 27 saves on 29 shots, while uh, Thomas Millich stopped 25 of the 28 shots that he faced. Uh, and worth noting, too, that that's uh, foreign territory for Seattle, as it's the first time in the entire playoffs that they found themselves trailing in a series. They swept their first two series and then uh, took a 2 nothing lead against Kamloops before closing out that series in six games. So this will be the first time that they've actually had to uh, fight from behind. But they took a good first step in uh, equalizing by uh, getting revenge with a 4-2 win in game two. Yes, an exciting uh, game two. Once again, close. This time, the Thunderbirds coming out on top with a 4-2 win. Uh, just like game one, Winnipeg opened the scoring, uh, this time courtesy of Zach Benson. But unlike game one, Seattle was able to reply with three straight goals. First, uh, Jeremy Hansel scored in the second, while Brad Lambert and Reed Schaefer scored just eight seconds apart in the third to make it a 3-1 game. Uh, Winnipeg would answer back with another goal from Zach Benson midway through the third, but uh, Brad Lambert, second of the game with less than two minutes, put Seattle up 4-2, which ended the game. Uh, as for goaltending stats from this game, we have Thomas Millich, who stopped 29 of 31 shots that he faced, while Daniel Hauser was a lot busier with 35 saves on 39 shots in the loss. Yeah, so a lot more offense from Seattle in game two, and now they're headed back to their home rink for the next three games. The series is in a 2-3-2 format. So uh, game three will be played Tuesday night after we record this podcast, but probably before you listen to it. Uh, game four will be on Wednesday, and game five is set for Friday. All of the remaining games in the series also will be televised on TSN. Um, the Thunderbirds, I guess, will have a chance to clinch their Memorial Cup berth on home ice if they're able to win the next three. But uh, that seems like an extremely tall order because this is a super tight series. Um, if they are headed back to Winnipeg, game six will be on Sunday and game seven on Monday at the home of the Winnipeg Jets in the Canada Life Centre. Um, Looking at uh, the rest of Memorial Cup, of course, it's not just a strictly WHL kind of an event. Um, we've got the uh, winning teams from the OHL and the QMJHL that will be flying out to Kamloops as well. And their league final series are underway. So, uh, Adam, give us a quick rundown on what's happening uh, in those two leagues. Yeah, so we'll start off in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, where the Peterborough Peets uh, lead their series over the London Knights 2-1 after winning an exhilarating uh, Game 3 uh, overtime victory 6-5. 
The overtime goal was scored by Seattle Kraken prospect Tucker Carl, uh, Tucker Robertson to send the hometown fans happy. And it was kind of uh, interesting because the game was going on at the same time as the Seattle Kraken uh, game seven. So you have a Kraken prospect scoring to send his team home uh, victorious while you have the team that drafted him, unfortunately not being able to pull out a victory in uh, the final game of the season for them. Yeah, they would have liked to have ported that goal down to Dallas to a force overtime last night, I'm sure. But uh, nevertheless, nice to see from Robertson. And uh, and good job by the Peets. They've bounced back really well in this series after having been shut out 3-0 in Game 1. Um, they replied with a 5-3 win in London in Game 2 and then came back from 2-0 and 5-4 deficits in Game 3 to get that overtime win. Um, and what's up in the queue? Now, the queue is a uh, very exciting series. So we've had two games as of recording, and the series between the Quebec Ramparts and the Halifax Mooseheads are tied at one. So Quebec's Game 2 loss was its first of the playoffs. So before Game 2 of the finals, they were a perfect 13-0 heading into the game. Uh, unlike the WHL, the QMJHL, and OHL used the same home-and-away system as the NHL, so they're going to be using a 2 2 one, 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 uh, system. And that really uh, seems to have helped out um, these teams because there's not a lot of travel and the teams look a lot fresher for sure through the first uh, two and three games of the season. Um, yeah, the, it's easy to do a format like that, especially in the OHL, where there's only about a three-hour drive between London and Peterborough. Um, Quebec City to Halifax is about a thousand kilometers, so that's uh, that's not small. But uh, it certainly doesn't compare to Seattle, Winnipeg, which is pretty much about as far as part as you can get within the WHL. Uh, I took a peek on Google Maps, and that's pretty close to 2,000 kilometers and 24 hours of driving. So uh, I'm assuming that even with the 232 format, that the the, uh, the ice and the Thunderbirds are flying in this round. Otherwise, they are not even going to make it back to Winnipeg in time for that Sunday game. <laughs> By the time we record next week, we will know uh, how all of these series have turned out and uh, which four teams are going to be competing in the Memorial Cup. Um, so while we wait for that, uh, let's take a quick look back at the WHL Prospects Draft, which was held last week. Saw more than 200 players selected. And while we thought that there could be some volatility in the early picks, um, everything ended up rolling out relatively smoothly. There was just one first round pick traded and that came near the end of the round. So um, Adam, why don't you run us through some of the highlights from, uh, from last week's draft? Yeah, so exciting to see, you know, over 200 players selected in the WHL uh, prior uh the whl prospects draft um we've already had a couple players signed so a first round breakdown was 13 forwards eight defensemen and one goaltender were selected uh the first overall selection by the prince albert Ra raiders was defenseman daxon rudolph out of the northern alberta extreme u15 prep program he's already signed his uh uh contract with the uh prince with prince albert and uh when we look at the puck preps draft board where we had Joel Henderson on a couple weeks ago. He was the fourth ranked prospect on the final draft board and the second ranked defenseman. So interesting to see him go first. Uh, Prince Albert also had the second overall pick and they picked Riley Boychuk out of uh, Air Dyer Extreme U15 AAA program. He was the 15th ranked uh, prospect according to Puck Preps, but he was ranked as one of the best playmakers available in the draft. And he also has signed his 
entry or his contract with the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. Um, and then when we look at the top three compared to what Preps had, the only player who went in the top three was Mathis Preston, who was the number ranked prospect. He ended up going third overall to Spokane and signed his contract with Spokane today. Uh, the other players who were ranked in the top three were Ryan Lind, who was ranked second but went sixth to Vancouver, while Cruz uh, Pavel, who was ranked third, ended up going to Tri-City at 13th. We also had some uh, legacy or some players who were drafted by teams uh, with family connections. So Jackson Jacobson was ranked 10th, uh, and he was drafted by the Brandon Wheat Kings, and he is the son of Wheat Kings owner and governor Jared Jacobson. Jerome McGinley's son, Joe, he's going to be playing in his father's hometown of Edmonton. And then we also had the uh, Ruck brothers, so Liam and Marcus Ruck. They went 9th and 21st overall. Um, that was the only first-round pick that we saw traded. So in order for this to happen, uh, Medicine Hat had to trade the 21st overall pick uh, and to uh, Saskatoon. And that's really the extent of the major trade that we went on. When we talked to Joel, he talked about this, how you know teams, if they know that there are brothers, and in especially this case, they're going to make an effort to make sure they're on the same team. So when we saw that one brother went, it was only a matter of time before we knew that the other brother went uh, to uh, Medicine Hat, and we'll see how that ends up. And then um, one last note here, Carter Easler was the first goaltender selected. He went over to the Spokane Chiefs, five foot nine, 134 pounds. He went 7-1-1 one, one in the playoffs with the Okotos Oilers U15 AAA team and helped them win the Alberta Elite Hockey League's U15 bronze medal this year. Um, and typical to what we see in the NHL, too, um, as the only goalie to go in the first round, um, Easler did go 20 seconds, so right at the very end of the first round. So nobody is uh, spending high draft picks on goaltending these days. And uh, I think as, as Joel talked about a little bit, I don't remember if it was on or off the air. Um, if you think projecting goalies at the NHL level is tough, projecting 14-year-old goalies is even tougher. So uh, it's, uh, it's very rare to see a team making a, a, a spending a big draft pick on a goalie. So uh, good for Easler for going in the first round. Um, you've also got a couple of other interesting notes that you picked out from the later rounds of the draft. Yes. So we'll start off with uh, Balal Nori. So he's 2000 born player who was drafted in the ninth round by the Everett Silvertips. Now this is an interesting situation because he has already played in the WHL and uh, he's played two seasons with the Calgary Hitmen. So just to explain how this is possible, uh, what the WHO has in, in their rules is that if a player is released or waived, another team can spend a draft pick on them to ensure that they get the first right of refusal for that player. So in this case, Everett used the 186 pick to ensure that he would be added to their organization rather than him going through the listing process and another team potentially getting uh, him. So this is something that we don't see very often and definitely threw me off when I first saw it and a couple other people off, but he is now part of the Everett organization. And then uh, Portland, the Portland Winterhawks made history selecting goalie Morgan Stickney, 215th overall. Uh, Manhattan Beach, uh, California-born goaltender, she became the first ever American woman selected into the WHL draft. And Ian Kennedy has a great piece up on the Hockey News right now about her journey uh, to being drafted and everything that... Uh, she's had to go through to get to this point. So highly would recommend that you check that out. 
Uh, yeah, very cool to see Morgan getting that uh, that opportunity. And uh, and just a quick note there on uh, on Bill El Nori, um, just to correct the date. You said that it was that he was 2000 born. He's actually born in 2004, so he is older than this current crop of draft class, but not quite that old. Um, <laughs> just want to uh, to make that clear. But uh, we do have some sort of 2000-ish maybe guys, but probably not coming up in this next segment. I don't think that's even true anymore either. Uh, guys from the last millennium are starting to become the grizzled old veterans of the hockey world. I think, yeah, Connor McDavid was born in like 1998. Um, so it's uh, they're all the, the 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 90s is becoming like you know. Anyways, um, the New Jersey Devils are our team of the week is what I am trying to say with that horrible segue. Um, and uh, we do have two players from the WHL who are in the Devils system, and they are both from the 2022 draft, which makes them teenagers. Yeah, so um, we'll start up in Prince George with goaler Tyler Brennan. A fourth round draft pick. Right now he's listed at 6'4", 181 pounds, and you know teams love their big goaltenders. So last year with uh, Prince George, he did play 37 games in the regular season, posting 21 wins along with two shutouts. Uh, in the postseason, he only did play three games against Tri-City before going down with a lower body injury. And then on April 16th of this uh, last month, he did sign his entry-level deal with the uh, New Jersey Devils. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brennan. He turns 20 in late September, so he is eligible to go to the AHL next season. Um, but uh, you were mentioning that you think that Prince George is going to dig their hooks in and try to hang on to him for one more year? Yeah, that is what I kind of, when I've been talking to people, it looks like they're going to try their best to uh, keep him there. I know that Kamloops tried that with uh, Dylan Garan this year, where they really wanted him back, but uh, the New York Rangers had other plans. And it really depends on how New Jersey views their prospect depth at the AHL level and the ECHL level. But if Tyler Brennan is back, that would be an interesting dynamic because then you have Ty Young and Tyler Brennan once again. Uh, Prince George is just going to get better when all of their players are drafted. So Prince George, if they can get Tyler Brennan back, that's a huge boost to them potentially going uh, and attempting to make it to the Western final. Um, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with New Jersey's goaltending situation because uh, Akir Schmid certainly made a good case for himself to graduate from the minors with his performance um, during the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that may move everybody up a notch and possibly create a spot that they might not have thought that they had available um, even when the postseason was beginning. Um, and that being said, there's also a lot of smoke around the idea that New Jersey might be one of the teams that tries to go after Connor Hellebuck this summer. And so if they end up bringing in a huge free agent, then that moves all the goalies back down a notch again in the spot that might be there because of Schmid is suddenly not there because of Hellebuck. So um, everything, it's all a big domino effect from the top of the NHL to where uh, those goalie spaces land. And because there's not very many spaces for goalies, um, it's always very tricky. So at this point, I guess uh, the powers that be in Prince George will be hoping that Connor Hellebuck decides he wants to take his talents elsewhere and we'll see where things go from there. Um, now the Devils have one other WHL prospect who's still in the system and he plays up front for Swift Current. Yeah, so 19-year-old left winger uh, Josh Philman, uh, six-round draft pick. Um, he's listed at 6'1", 159 pounds. So in 65 games with Swift Current, he led the team in goals with 47 and points with 75. 
Uh, after the Broncos missed the playoffs, he actually had the chance to play four games in the AHL with Utica, and he actually got his first career uh, pro goal at the AHL level. So great uh, job for him. And after the season on March 31st, he signed his entry-level deal with the New Jersey Devils. So both of our prospects uh, in the New Jersey system from the WHL are signed prospects now. Um, for Philman, though, the option is not going to be there. He doesn't turn 20 until next March, so uh, he should be back in Swift Current for another season this fall. Um, great year for him, though, so uh, really exciting to see his progress after he was drafted. Um, now, at the NHL level, uh, there are a few former w WHL players who are in the Devils system. Yes, yeah, so we'll start with a... Uh personal favorite of mine, and that is Kelowna Rockets defenseman Damon Severson. Uh, he just finished his ninth season in New Jersey, which makes him the longest serving player on the team. And uh, it's crazy to think that uh, he was once a teammate with uh, Yarmir Yager. That is a long time that he's been around on the same team. <laughs> yes. Um, um, Severson is now in the last year of his contract, though, which probably means that uh, he might be on the way out. It's expected that he'll hit the market as an unrestricted free agent because they probably don't have enough cap space to keep him. Um, and also because they've got some seriously talented young defensemen in the pipeline. Um, we already got a glimpse of, of Luke Hughes in the playoffs and he can play both sides. Um, and 2022 second overall pick Simone Nemec spent last season in Utica. He's a righty um, like Severson and will certainly get a look next season and is doing some uh, impressive things with the Slovaks at the World Championships right now as well. Yeah, he had a, uh, they test him, I, if I, my memory serves correctly, they tested him, him out in the shootout uh, the other night. Uh, that was an interesting thing to see because you don't usually see goaltender or defensemen in the shootout, let alone rookie defensemen who haven't played that much in the game. So, uh, yeah, bright future in New Jersey, especially with uh, him and Luke Hughes could make a pretty uh, dynamic uh, defensive pair. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, what else we got from the system? Yeah, so uh, a second generation player in Nolan Foote, uh, son of Adam Foote. He also saw some time with the Devils playing six games a season, but he spent most of the time uh, this year in Utica. And also former Edmonton Oil King center Curtis Lazar joined the team after the trade deadline. And Lazar is a player that we've talked about on this program before after his uh, dominating performance at the Canada Winter Games as a 15-year-old all those years ago. Uh, and now Lazar, I can proudly say that he, I think, is the first player to uh, play with all three Hughes brothers at the pro, at the pro level. So uh, another uh, fun fact, feather in his cap for the always affable and smiling Curtis Lazar. Now, I love this Akira Schmid fact that you came up with as well, because when I first read this, I was like, Schmid played in the WHL. I didn't know about that. So I went and looked at the uh, at the trusty Hockey DB and Elite Prospects page and saw that uh, most of his development was in the USHL after he came over from Switzerland with Omaha and Sioux City. Um, but he did play one game with the Lethbridge Hurricanes in 2018. So uh, if he goes on to become Stanley Cup winning goaltender Akira Schmid somewhere down the road, the dub can totally lay claim to him. Uh, it looks like it was one of those situations where it was um, the intent of the Devils organization to find him a good spot where he could get lots of minutes and uh, things didn't quite click in, in Lethbridge and he was able to uh, find a, a better development opportunity, which has clearly served him well and uh, has him now tracking nicely for, uh, for the NHL. Um, 
The Devils also have a, a good collection of former WHL players in their uh, farm roster. Um, as we've mentioned, Schmid, Foot, and Fellman have all played a little bit with Utica this year, and uh, there's some other guys as well. Yeah, so we'll start off with uh, Swift Current goaltender Isaac Poulter. He was actually a teammate of Philmon for uh, two seasons in the WHL. Um, Mason Gerson, former Edmonton Oil King and Vancouver Giants, he's one of these utility players that plays defense or forward, depending on you know, how the coach wants to make their lineup. He was actually on Edmonton's uh, Memorial Cup team in 2012. And then other players include Jace Howerluck, who played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, Tyler Witherspoon, who's a former Portland Winterhawk, and uh, former Prince Albert Raider defenseman in Zach Hayes. So plenty of WHL content in the New Jersey Devils system. And considering the respect that New Jersey gets for their uh, drafting and development and the uh, young players that they have in the pipeline that have been moving up, uh, that's, uh, that, that, that's a real positive sign to see all those WHL players that they have in the mix. Um, so we will have another uh, NHL team from the Metro Division to go through next week. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, we, of course, will also have the results from the WHL final and be able to uh, set up the Memorial Cup for you next week's show as well. Um, that does wrap up things for today as always thank you for listening and if you haven't done so make sure you subscribe to thn on the dub on your favorite podcast platform to check out past episodes of this show and all the others in the hockey news podcast family go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast enjoy the games and uh, we will speak to you again next week